My name is Louis Bernanger. I'm a CFA charter holder, and uh, these days I'm a private wealth advisor. And I've come to the view some five years ago now that um, uh, what's happening in today's markets, financial markets, is more a monetary uh, crisis than, than, than anything else. And so um, the purpose of this presentation is to uh, emphasize the ongoing role of gold, uh, even though gold has been uh, externalized from the monetary system for the time being, and um, explain why that is the case. So uh, my background is that I've um, operated mainly in this institutional um, advisory uh, market. I was uh, with Mercer for 18 years, including the CEO of New Zealand operations. Now I have my, my firm and, and focus more on the private wealth side of things. Um, so on with the, with the presentation. Um, the um, um, public who know uh, me and what I talk about uh, generally refer to me these days as a bit of a nutcase uh, because uh, I seem to um, emphasize the um, the severity, the seriousness of the crisis, and unfortunately people tend to uh, interpret that as uh, me being a, a, a doom gloomer, saying that the end of the world is near. No, it's not the end of the world, it's the end of the monetary system as we know it that is near. And so um, it's important to prepare for what's coming and what is currently uh, evolving. During the presentation, we'll cover a lot of ground, um, various aspects I find of the meaning of gold and the role of gold in the financial system is very unknown, uh, even to the CFA charter holder community. I've um, delivered this presentation in 12 countries at the invitation of CFA society so far, and it never ceases to amaze me how much um, there is um, really little uh, in-depth knowledge about the uh, history of money or why gold matters. So I'll start the presentation with a few words on that. Uh, it's uh, impossible to talk about gold these days and not say a few words as to whether or not uh, its price is in a bubble. So I'll, I'll uh, have a few, uh, a few slides on that as well. And um, probably the core part of the presentation really getting into the uh, the key message is the nature of this crisis, uh, why it is what I think it is, and why we are um, currently uh, right in the middle of what I would consider or call currency wars. There certainly is a currency warfare going on between nations. And we'll finish the presentation with a brief outline of uh, <coughs> bullion. What is bullion? How do you buy bullion? And how is bullion different to um, investing in gold? Uh, and, and various forms of uh, uh, vehicles or means of doing that uh, that exists in the financial uh, market space. <clears throat> well, let's start with a quote from Warren Buffett. Um, if there's anyone who knows anything about making money, it's uh, Mr. Buffett. And he says, if it's not whether you're right or wrong that's important, but how much money you make when you're right and how much you lose when you're wrong. Few would dispute that. Um, but the problem today, or the real challenge today, is uh, how, how do you do that exactly when money, as we know it, 
is um, being debased um, or on the way out for a replacement form of money. So, to me, in all the readings I've um, um, gone through over the past, let's say, seven or so years, one of the most um, short, short, one of the shortest but most important uh, reading to properly explain um, why gold is money or how gold came to be money is a short essay that was written by Karl Menger in, uh, in German. He's an Austrian. He's the father of the Austrian regional economies. Um, many things can be used as money, and anything can be used as money as long as they meet three very important um, uses, and um, those are as a medium of exchange, as a uh, unit of account, and as a store of value. Now, those um, are well known by uh, the, uh, the investment uh, professionals as uh, what are the uses of money, but we, we tend to overlook uh, uh, what they are in many instances uh, as we become used to using a form of money uh, without uh, questioning its value. So um, this may be a little outrageous in terms of a question, but um, it's not so much the uh, US dollar uh, that could be on that slide, it could be any currency. Any currency in the world uh, today is, um, is um, uh, legal tender because it is declared uh, to be so by the uh, state issuing it. And so, therefore, its value is based on the ability of the issuing country to, to pay its debt. Um, but you can apply the three uses to answer that question and, and decide, well, is it a good medium of exchange? Of course it is. You have um, well over 90% of world trade done in U.S. dollars still to this day. Um, is it a good unit of account? Well, you, you could argue that it, it certainly is because uh, uh, it's very easy to measure things in dollars and cents on both sides of the ledgers. Um, and I know exactly where you stand uh, from that point of view. Is it a good store of value? That's where the, uh, this particular uh, currency, but many others, uh, fail quite, uh, quite strongly uh, as uh, it would now um, represent a purchasing power of about two cents uh, compared to uh, the full dollar it was one Federal Reserve started issuing the notes about 100 years ago. And of course, there's a little bit of history there, which I'll just touch on. Initially, as per the Constitution of the United States, what was called a dollar in the US was actually a silver dollar. And it was clearly noted on the, uh, uh, the dollar that it was, in fact, a certificate that there was a silver dollar in, um, on the on, um, uh, on deposit at the treasury and payable on demand to the bearer of this uh, of the certificate. Whereas now, uh, although it looks very similar, it is, it is merely a note uh, of the Federal Reserve, and it's called a dollar, but it had, there is no relationship and there's no redeemability. There's no ability to the holder of the note to redeem it uh, for silver or whatever um, uh, would be backing the currency. Um, and so, uh, as a result, there has been no uh, restriction uh, for quite some time in the ability of the central bank 
uh, or any central bank for that matter, to, uh, to uh, add to the money supply. This chart is from the uh, uh, Federal Reserve St. Louis website, uh, um, and it shows the uh, monetary base uh, for the U.S. And um, it goes back to uh, since uh, the beginning of uh, records uh, uh, showing Federal Reserve notes. And we can see that uh, whether you uh, uh, are concerned about uh, the situation or not, we're, we're living some unprecedented uh, times with the vast acceleration and growth in the monetary base. Um, well, what's wrong with this picture? Uh, what's wrong with this picture is that we don't really know how it's going to end. Uh, but Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers, um, warned the U.S. citizens that if the American people ever allow private banks to control the issuance of their currencies, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks and corporations that will grow up around them will deprive the people of all their prosperity until their children will wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Quite a strong warning from uh, Mr. Jefferson, uh, although you could argue that it's, it is it's precisely what is happening in the U.S. with um, the um, the difficulties on the housing market, a lot of uh, uh, people uh, losing their houses, and uh, the debt of the country uh, escalating at an ever rap uh, increasing rate. <clears throat> I uh, began writing in 2006 about the uh, seriousness of uh, the uh, monetary uh, uh, situation, monetary system, um, and I called it the monetary tragedy of the 20th century. In a nutshell, um, what happened uh, were a series of events, but the one that um, uh, ended Bretton Woods as we knew it um, is the decision that was made by President Nixon in August 1971, 40 years ago, uh, to no longer redeem on demand to other nations gold for their paper dollar reserves at $35 an ounce. And from that moment on, um, what, um, what resulted was an experiment, a global experiment of fiat-only money, uh, which uh, the world eventually, um, in 1980, 81, uh, seemed to fully accept as uh, something that should be tried, as there was um, uh, no longer any concern uh, with, with the system as interest rates in the U.S. had, uh, had to be increased. Paul Volcker, uh, the head of the um, Federal Reserve, had let interest rates go to where they had to in order to reinstitute confidence in the system, and that was achieved. But we are now living um, perhaps a uh, uh, the second wave of, of the uh, um, uh, question uh, mark over the monetary system that began uh, after that uh, uh, effective default from, uh, from the U.S. in 1971 and their obligation to redeem gold on demand. Um, so the role of gold is very important, although it is now being carried out um, outside the system as opposed to within the system. And um, Alan Greenspan, a very interesting character in this whole affair, this whole play in the monetary world, has been saying uh, uh, some interesting things 
uh, about gold during the time he was at the Fed or before he became involved with the Fed and also since he's left the Fed. This is one quote from him in 1999 at the time uh, England had um, just sold or was in the process of selling uh, about half of their gold reserves and the U.S. was uh, wondering whether they should be doing the same and Greenspan was questioned in a U.S. Senate committee uh, whether the U.S. should or not and this was his answer. He said gold still represents the ultimate form of payment in the world. Fiat money in extremists is accepted by nobody. Gold is always accepted. Uh, the key operative words here are in extremes. So, of course, when uh, confidence in the, in the system uh, of fiat money uh, is, is in place and not in question, um, there, there is no problem. But in extremists, gold is always accepted. Needless to say, his advice to the Senate was not to sell the U.S. gold, and they did not. Um, another um, uh, important character in this uh, history of our attitude towards gold today uh, was John Maynard Keynes, a, a highly influential economist. Of course, of course, uh, the Keynesian school of economics um, is uh, probably the predominant school of thought uh, in economics today. And he uh, he never said that uh, gold was a barbarous relic, but what he did say is that he felt the gold standard um, uh, was already a barbarous relic. Um, and uh, that has been more or less uh, accepted as a fact uh, pretty much uh, since, since then and most, uh, most importantly after Bretton Woods. But far from being a barbarous relic, uh, gold is, is simply one of the most misunderstood um, assets in the world. Um, and, and it would be naive to think that there is no um, uh, governance uh, worldwide of its price, uh, especially the, these days, as uh, a number of central bankers have uh, admitted, including Paul Volcker, some many years ago, as, uh, that gold was the enemy, uh, if you like, of the uh, monetary system, which was unfortunately the, the, had to be the consequence of, of throwing it out outside uh, the system back in 71. But the, despite all this, gold remains valued around the world, um, and in particular in the East, uh, as um, uh, central banks of the Western world um, have um, sold a lot of their reserves over the past 15 to 20 years, although they have stopped doing that over the last year. Why is that the case? Because there is increasing um, lack of confidence in the ability of the issuing monetary uh, states uh, to uh, pay their debt. And, and so uh, they prefer to uh, uh, convert part of their uh, assets into stateless money. The most famous quote uh, that uh, I'm aware of in terms of uh, stating that gold is money came from J.P. Morgan himself when he was um, interviewed a question by, I believe it was a congressional, it was congressional committee in 1913. Um, he was asked what was the role of gold uh, in the financial system and his answer was very succinct. He said gold is money and nothing else. Um, 
times have changed, as we have heard the current governor of the central bank uh, recently uh, in answering a question uh, by a congressional committee uh, that he felt gold was not money, uh, but uh, simply an asset. The, uh, the other uh, very important aspect of gold as an asset to all in these times of systemic crisis is that um, it is not anyone's liability. Uh, so if you own gold bullion, the physical metal, uh, it's uh, an asset that you own, uh, which is nobody else's liability, unlike any financial asset that you can think of, even a bank account is someone else's liability, uh, an equity, a bond, uh, and so forth. So it offers unique uh, protection from systemic risk. But gold as a metal is an interesting commodity uh, that has um, uh, properties and characteristics that I could go on forever about, but the most important aspect uh, to uh, understand about why gold ended up being the most saleable item to go to market in, in earlier times and has remained the most appropriate or suitable commodity to be used as, as money has to do with uh, the above uh, ground stock of, of the, the material. Um, if you think of any other commodity that's dug up from under the ground, or that is uh, harvested from above ground. Um, in all cases, uh, the inventory, the above ground stock of that commodity will be at best a year or a little over a year's production. Um, in, uh, in gold's case, maybe with the exception of silver, but silver uh, would not have many years of annual production above ground that is uh, marketable, that is uh, available to, to trade. Uh, gold is the exception that stands out. And the above ground stock of gold is about 160,000 tons. And the annual production of gold is uh, uh, of, of newly mined gold as opposed to recycled gold is under 2,000 tons a year. So the, uh, this gives gold a, a, a unique uh, uh, marginal utility uh, as, as, a, as a commodity. Uh, it's got the lowest marginal utility for any additional uh, supply brought, brought in by mining. And, and this is effectively why it is still adopted as a store of value uh, worldwide. Price is um, what people generally think of when they talk about gold or look at gold and, and get the impression that the price of gold is rising rapidly. Uh, what is in fact happening is more the uh, It is the uh, purchasing power of the currency that the metal is priced in that is declining and has been declining for some time, mostly over the last 10 or 11 years. It's a, unprecedented that um, uh, there has been um, for every single year over the last 11 years uh, a decline in the purchasing power of most uh, major currencies relative to gold and this chart uh, illustrates uh, but um, unfortunately in a way we tend to focus more on the price this 
table here uh, shows in uh, a number of different currencies uh, as well as on average on the right-hand side for um, 10 currencies, the six shown on the table, plus uh, the Canadian dollar, Chinese yuan, Indian rupee, and Japanese yen. Uh, what the average change in the price of gold has been over the past 10, 11 years. Um, and what strikes me is that there might be a lot of volatility from year to year or from currency to currency, but on average, each year or on average, each currency shows a similar picture. And um, to me, that's, that's quite, quite interesting uh, uh, to, to observe. And so the price has been uh, rising in, in, in all currencies for quite some time. Therefore, the question is, is it in a bubble? Um, well, um, the answer to be provided shortly. Uh, but um, to my mind, the, the gold price is, is an indicator. It's a barometer. It, it signals that uh, there are problems uh, with the fiat currencies. It signals that it's time for monetary reform. And I'm very pleased to hear more and more discussion on possible new uh, post Bretton Woods uh, systems that are being discussed at either the G20 level or, or more uh, regional uh, forums. But that's very healthy, and we need much more discussion on that very important subject because um, we do need uh, to reform a monetary system. But until we get there, until we get there, uh, it's very important to, uh, to know how to uh, prudently take all this into account in the uh, investment management of uh, whether it's private wealth or institutional money. And in my opinion, until we do get monetary reform with uh, some form of recognition of uh, uh, the need for a new era, which we no longer have uh, a measure, uh, a sound measure, unit of measure of value unrelated to, to paper, uh, then it will be considered more and more as an alternative form of money to fiat currencies. And we're seeing that uh, certainly uh, even with central banks uh, that have become net buyers of gold despite the uh, highest nominal price ever. And eventually later we hopefully will have gold back as a numerator or uh, the anchor for, for, for the system. Uh, but to my mind, uh, coming back to a point I made earlier on, uh, there is a, a, a sound governance of all this uh, at, uh, by, by central banks and, and monetary institutions in the world. And I think uh, th there is an inevitability of uh, remonetization of gold globally, and the process is managed as best as, as, as they can, and, uh, and the price will, will, will not, uh, should not uh, manifest as a bubble for quite some time. Although there is obviously a risk that the gold price could end up in a bubble as it did back in the 70s. Yes, a question. You say central banks are buying gold. You gave the example of Venezuela, and, and you know, the guy's doing quite a lot of things different down there. What's, are there net buyers in Europe? Are there net buyers in America? Are there net buyers? I, I hear a lot about China. Yeah, well, it's, it's the World Gold Council issues official statistics about what happened in the gold market from the point of view of countries' official gold reserves. 
And if you add up all the gold reserves of all the countries, uh, it's been, it was going down for about 20 years. And now since 2009, it's going up. So essentially that's what I mean by central banks are now net buyers. Now, which central banks they are? Well, there are many in the East, not in the West. But the central banks who used to sell in the West uh, don't sell anymore. Okay. Okay. Venezuela is a different story. Yeah. They're not buying or selling, they're just shifting. Yeah. Okay. Was there any other, uh, another question? Here's a chart from uh, Casey Research, Chief Economist Bob Conrad, which to my mind is, is a very good way of uh, um, assessing uh, whether or not we do have a bubble. And the chart goes back to um, um, since the end of the uh, Second World War, and it differentiated the period between uh, the, uh, uh, the time when Nixon took uh, gold, um, took the U.S. or the world basically off the gold standard, gold exchange standard, and, and so before and after. And you can see that <coughs> the, the red line is the, is the price of gold in nominal terms. This is a semi-log chart, obviously. Um, and um, so it was at $35 an ounce. Um, then, then it started rising and went up to a maximum of $850 in, back in 1981. And it's currently uh, sitting at the time this chart was prepared um, at $1,800. And, and that uh, price movement of the gold um, is compared to um, the, um, what the price would need to be for the amount of gold reserves to be sufficient to cover the uh, non-paper reserves of, uh, I non -gold. of the states and central non -gold. banks. And um, to my mind, that's a nice way of, of looking at what would be a shadow price of gold. Is you, can, you can do that too with uh, various monetary supply measures, M1 and 2 and 3. Um, but I believe, uh, to my mind, this is a, is a better, um, um, better approach and it uh, signals that the price would need to be $10,000 an ounce to achieve uh, uh, coverage uh, with gold reserves of the amount of non-gold non or paper reserves uh, uh, held by the world. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is exactly what is a financial bubble? A financial bubble emerges when, of course, there's far more um, people buying uh, uh, whatever it is uh, claimed to be in a bubble than, than there is available or that could be justified uh, um, rational thinking. And so, look at this chart um, uh, produced by CPM Growth, uh, shows the uh, percentage ownership uh, globally, in global financial portfolios, uh, going back to pre-1971, uh, first bar on the left is 1968, where in fact people uh, held gold in their portfolios, and that uh, declined uh, to less than 1% by the time uh, the 1990s began, and even despite this very significant rise in price, a, uh, a, a six-fold rise in price, more or less, since the beginning of this uh, millennium. Uh, there is still less than 1% of global financial assets in, in bullion, in gold bullion.
So it doesn't, doesn't appear to be a, a bubble from that point of view. Um, you could argue that uh, it uh, may well end up being a bubble, but at the moment uh, uh, people simply don't own it yet. This chart produced by Bullion Management Group, um, whether you um, you agree that there's $200 trillion world in world financial assets or a lesser amount, there's quite a number of um, uh, sources that uh, have a, a lower amount, some have a similar amount. Nevertheless, it's about $1.5 trillion uh, the value of privately held gold today, so you're not far from, uh, again, uh, less than 1% uh, of uh, private and institutional ownership of gold bullion. Um, about this crisis, um, I think Albert Einstein had a very 